Helping you make the most of your retirement. This is the Retirement Years Podcast. Here are your hosts, Mary Ellen French and Dave Wing. Hi there, I'm Mary Ellen. And I'm Dave. And on today's episode of the Retirement Years Podcast, we will learn more about the popular sport of pickleball. We'll also discuss how it all began and how you can get started in a sport that appeals to all ages, but especially to older adults. And if pickleball isn't your thing, well, we're also going to talk about other sports that you can enjoy to keep your body and mind active and healthy. You're also going to hear a little bit about some controversy surrounding pickleball, but I, I don't want to talk about that just yet because let's let's stick with uh, with the good stuff about pickleball. Um you know, Dave, for me, pickleball was something that came on my radar maybe six years ago. And all I knew about it was that there were a lot of older adults playing it during the day. I was still working at the time. And I thought pickleball, that's kind of a strange name for a sport. And then since then, it just it just seems to be continually popping up everywhere. I see it in the news. I hear about it on the radio. I've got friends talking about it. Uh, my brother has started playing it with his wife uh, at their local high school in the evenings. And my husband is in Northwestern Ontario currently. And lo and behold, there's a pickleball league that started up there at the high school in the evenings. It's crazy. Well, I know just before I retired, people were talking about it. And I had assumed it was just for older people. And yes. at the time, it was mostly in uh, gymnasiums or it was indoor anyway, for the most part. At yeah. that point, I suppose they didn't have uh, courts uh, outside it, uh, in the early stages. And now it is really, as you say, it's really grown. And I saw an article recently published in the Toronto Sun, and the title was simply Pickleball is the Fastest Growing Sport in Canada. And the executive director of Pickleball Canada, Carla Anderson, said that the sport's uh, social qualities, affordability, and accessibility have pushed participation from, at that time, uh, a year ago, it was around 350,000 Canadians engaging in the game, to now it's well over a million. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible growth. Yeah, And she said a survey commissioned by Pickleball Canada last January showed that the highest growth rate was in the 18 to 34 demographic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's still obviously really uh, uh, popular among uh, older Canadians. Mm-hmm. And she also pointed out the only real barrier to entry into the sport is access to courts. And of course, that problem is growing as the popularity of the sport grows and communities and uh, municipalities and cities are adjusting to the demand for that. And I don't know if, have you ever tried to play? I have not. It is on my bucket list. Absolutely. Same and um, when I was talking with uh, our guest for today's episode, I did assure him that I was going to be coming out to one of his clinics because I think I, I'm, I'm not necessarily a very athletic person when it comes to hand-eye coordination. And so, uh, yeah, I think some, some uh, coaching will be in order. That would help. I'm very curious to know if any of our listeners have tried it and what their mm. thoughts are. So as listeners know, you can always reach us uh, through email, the retirement years podcast, all one word at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us through our website, the retirement or you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram or through Twitter. So I wanted to know more about what exactly is pickleball because, because I've never seen it. So I found a sports illustrated article that, uh, that helped to explain it a little bit. So apparently play begins with an underhand serve. So kind of like badminton really. Okay. And the full court is 44 feet by 20 feet. So basically four 
courts for pickleball will fit inside one tennis court. Okay. Yeah. So, and then within that pickleball court, there's a rectangular box that comes seven feet out on either side of the net. And that's called the kitchen. Okay. All right. And so players have to remain outside of the kitchen when they're returning a volley, unless the ball drops inside the kitchen. Oh, and I should mention that the ball has, it's a wiffle ball, right? So it's got the the holes in it. Right. So if the ball drops inside the kitchen, then the player can return the ball from inside the kitchen. Otherwise you have to stay out of the kitchen. You have to stay out of the kitchen. Okay. Now by the fourth hit, you're either hitting a dinker or a banger. And I have to tell you what those are. Well, you'll have to, because you've made the the game sound dirty now. So you'll have to tell us more. Yeah. So a dinker is when you gently and repeatedly lob the wiffle ball over the net. Okay. Okay. And a banger is when you whack the ball from inside the kitchen. And that tends to set off like a a really rapid fire exchange of shots. Like, yeah. And that's all just to earn one point. (laughs) Now, how many points in a game? I think it's 15. Okay. Yeah, I think it's 15. So it'd be a fairly lengthy, depending on the the uh, how equally matched mm-hmm. the sides are. It could go for, for some time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was I'm I'm really curious. I'm I'm quite uh, quite excited about trying that. So there's a lot to learn, it sounds like, but I think like any sport, if I was to break down how you go curling, I'm sure people say, Oh, that oh. just sounds way too and, and on top of yeah. that I'm on ice, no way. Yeah. So I, what I sort of glean from what you said too is the fact that four courts would fit in one tennis court tells me that there isn't that range of movement that you'd have to do, which for many would be great. Yeah, because maybe they're you know they they may have some knee issues or whatever it happens to mm-hmm. be. And I often see when I watch a video of it um, pairs playing each other. Yes, and I don't know if you play singles or if it's always doubles. I. Nope. You can play singles or doubles and you can play um, mixed genders. You can play single gender. Yep. Well, it's, it does sound like a lot of fun. And I agree with you. It'd be nice to learn how to play it before you get in too deep, not playing it correctly. Yeah. Well, I think you'll hear in the interview with Neil, I think he said there's something like 12 different strategies or things that you need to know to play. Right. And once you've got those 12, then, you know, you, you can, you can play anyone anywhere. Um, now there is, for those who want to play recreationally, mm-hmm. there's so many places to play. But if you want to play competitively, then um, you belong to, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the controversy, but you can belong to Pickleball Canada and um, be ranked according to one of the international governing bodies ranking systems. And then so when you go in tournaments, then you play people who are at your rank uh, if you want to play up a rank, you can um, to challenge yourself and grow. But uh, yeah, it's it's very cool. Very cool. So the individual you had the opportunity to speak with, mm-hmm. uh, Neil, yeah. he uh, he is uh, certified or, or and recognized. And I'll let you tell more about that as we, we head into what he had to say. Yeah. So, so Neil um, spent his career in corrections. And then he uh, became a lead trainer within corrections for prison guards, I think across Ontario, might have even been across Canada. Anyway, he'd never played pickleball until after he retired. And he'll, he'll, you'll hear about, a bit from him about um, what he tried first. Anyway, he'd never played pickleball until after he retired. And now 
less than a few years later, he's an internationally accredited pickleball teaching professional and about to go um, on a bit of a world tour to uh, promote the game in some of the countries that are just establishing their their uh, pickleball organizations. So very cool. Here's what he had to say. So how did you first even find out about pickleball? Okay, easiest way to take a look at it. Yeah. I retired. Had some other issues happening. Luckily, yeah. I retired when I did. I got to spend the last six months with my dad before he passed away. Yeah. Then we're doing a bunch of different stuff. I was working at Home Depot part time, just doing the rambling thing till we were kind of settled. I had a, I had a plan, didn't come to fruition, which it was the times. But anyway, in the Northumberland News, advertised table tennis. Okay. We had a table tennis table in our in our ready room, so I mean everybody kind of hacked at it. It was weird, wasn't good at it, and so Dana said, "Go, go check it out. It's at the community center." So I pop over to the community center and I'm playing table tennis. I'm like, "This isn't too bad," and I was chatting to a couple of guys who were there, and they said, "You're fairly athletic," and I said, "Well, it was part of my job." I said, "I trained 365." And I, I'm competitive, so try pickleball. And I'm going, what? Didn't really know the name, didn't have a clue. They said, well, you can Google it and stuff like that. And I said, ah. So, well, why don't you drop in tomorrow? I said, we're playing. At that time, there was about 35 to 40 players max around that. And I started to grow. So I went in, and one little guy, Glenn, helped me out a little bit, and I'm going, I like this. And then I started taking a look at the stuff, and I'm going, okay, I can figure this out. Let's work at it. So I think it was about nine and a half months later, I entered my first tournament at a lower level, and then I moved myself up into advanced, and I still have, well, there's 12 of us left out of our original group of 16 that play together. And uh, we're good friends. They literally gave me a nice, settled atmosphere of life where it's positive. Where before I was dealing with negative, and I'm going like, God, these people are good. And then I started getting more involved with the community center, and then we started taking a look at it. And lo and behold, now probably this area we have 240 players. Wow. Luckily, they don't all show up in one place. No kidding. Coburg last year, they have their own private Coburg Pickleball Club. So now we're trying to grow from the 55-plus senior group to under 55. Last night I played with the youngsters, but yeah, it's growing. Oh, that's And it's fun. Yeah. This association started in 2015. I lucked in through a friend, called me, said, are you interested in taking a a course? And I said, yeah, through, yeah, what's it about? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And he told me, he said, about this new association, International Pickleball Teaching Professionals Association. So 2015, they started at one of the tournaments they got together. 25 of the top people in in the profession, period, got together. And then it expanded to 50 from around the world. Around the world. And they said, we want to have consistency in the game. So we want to professionalize the game. Yeah. And I'm just going like, this is amazing because I looked at two other agencies to get my accreditation. I didn't like, I mean, I was running classes, but I'm going like, we're getting big enough. How do you show your accreditation to somebody who's coming in? And the 
the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of the sport now is there's so many people out there that are taking advantage. You've got a great player teaches. Doesn't have a clue how to teach. Right. Doesn't have a clue how to instruct. Right. right. Yes. I, get I can that. fall back on to 17 and a half years of being a lead instructor for the province. Yes. Mind you, it's this is pickleball. This isn't self-defense, but it's it's how There's you a lot do of, things. It right? is a lot of same principles. Well, like I had said to you earlier, though, like I I see and hear about pickleball everywhere I turn, and it doesn't. It's not just in Canada. Like I'm oh, hearing no. about it in the states. I'm hearing about it in the UK. I'm hearing about it. In well, it started. Wild. It started 1965. Really? Two guys, U.S. There's a difference of opinion. I, I checked on some of this stuff because people are asking. Sure. 65. Two families are together, summering at their summer homes. Yeah. Kids are bored. Families bored. The two dads get together and say, "We got a whole bunch of stuff laying around here. Let's let's figure out something." So yeah. They, they took their skill saw, cut a couple paddles out of plywood. Yeah. The dog ball that they had at the time was an old wiffle ball. Okay. So we can use that. So the wiffle ball. And then they just played on on the driveway between the cottages. It advanced very slowly. It got into the 2000s before it started even creeping anywhere. Yeah. And from about 2005, 2007, things started getting better organized. Ah, okay. And then they started having groups. It spread up into BC. And the seniors right across North America started grabbing it, saying, because it's not that expensive. I can't play tennis anymore. It's easy to get into. And what I like, it's a ground roots game. It doesn't take a lot of money. And then from then on, probably the early 2010 or 2012, it started expanding. They figured they would have a... Seven percent, five to seven percent growth, which is phenomenal for a sport. Sure. Well, it went one hundred and forty percent, and then it just started going. So, what do you think? Like you said initially, really, it was fifty-five plus that were attracted to it. What yeah. What is the attraction for seniors, for retirees? Easiest way to look at it is the community social aspect is huge. Yeah. It gives you, if you play it two, three times a week, so they're two-hour slots usually, um, the exercise benefits are unheard of. Now, there's the, the opposite side of that little component is the injury factors, right? depending on the level you play. Okay. So you've got, easiest way to look at it, beginners, intermediates tend to be more the recreational end of it, so you have a nice social thing, let's play, let's do our stuff. As you get more competitive, depending on our age group, potential for injuries get a little higher, but the social aspect is still there. Like, I mean, we do wing nights, we go, we have a social, stuff like that. Yeah. And I've got friends in it that, you know, I'm rare to have a friend, really, but I've got some really close friends here. Yeah. And for for them, it's an essence of life to make enjoyable. Because you go in, you have a good game, you get your heart rate up, you get your exercise. It's a very easy sport to learn. Okay. To get the essentials, there's about 12 components. Once you get that into your brain, sure. and you can hit the ball with a paddle on a regular 
regular basis. You've got the essence. Okay. And then it becomes three-level chess. Okay. So you can go from extreme, and that's where that's what I love doing. This is taking somebody that's got the essential skills and saying, okay, do you want to have a bit more fun? Do you want to be a bit more consistent? Right. Go from there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's it's good. So if somebody was interested in um, figuring out if they've got local options for learning how to play pickleball, are there are there websites they can go to? Like, should they just Google pickleball and see what comes up? Or depending on what their interest is, if they want to try okay. it, yeah, I would think recreationally would be yeah. what most depending would want depending. To try. They can contact the community center, and then if they want to learn more, they can they can take a look at down the road getting lessons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, talk to people. That's the best way to go. So what do you need to get started then, like in terms of equipment? You need a, a If paddle. you're playing indoor. Yeah, indoor. Uh, a good set of court shoes. Okay. There's two styles, and make sure they're court because you need lateral as longitudinal because you're doing a lot of side movement. Okay. And running shoes are straight on. If you go over, you're gonna you're gonna hurt your ankles. You're gonna hurt everything else. So there's a gum style base, so you'll see the kind of brown underneath yeah, it. Yeah. Or there's the new gel, but make sure it says gel, so you get good grip. And are they pickleball court shoes or just you can go court if shoes. you want pickleball. Okay. I wouldn't no. because okay. they throw another twenty percent on. Or yeah, that's what right. I was thinking. Right. Okay. But most of the companies will have a proper court shoe. A lot of times they'll call it a volleyball shoe. Okay. Low cut volleyball shoe is fine. Okay. Exactly. Other thing is is something a lot of people don't consider is eyewear. Okay. Do they look like the badminton goggles that I know you kids can have get, to wear in school? You can get specifics, but you want like you want a, a sport glass. Okay. The ball fits the eye socket perfectly to collapse the eye. Ooh. That and doesn't really matter what your paddle is if you want to try it out don't spend a lot get the baseline from a decent company and you'll be good for a year or two that makes sense to me though right and comfortable clothing yeah because if you're playing indoor and you play hard you're gonna sweat yeah yeah so i find it fascinating from from neil's interview that i mean the game of pickleball really was put together in 1965 by a couple of families whose kids were bored one summer mm-hmm. and they they pickled together uh, some items, including that wiffle ball. And lo and behold, pickleball was born. Yeah, that, it's sort of a, it puts me in mind a bit of the um, the origin of basketball. And you, you, I don't know if you've seen the like the heritage moment commercial where uh, James Naismith is uh, coaching some students. A, a game like basketball and every time they'd shoot the ball into the basket it was literally a basket mm-hmm. and they had to stop the game and get a ladder and get the yeah. ball back out and uh, our boy james went you know what would make more sense cut the bottom out of the basket and basketball was was born um and for our listeners in other countries james naismith a canadian yes so as you said very humble beginnings and yeah. very uh like uh, it filled a purpose at the time and who would, I bet the family would never know, uh, obviously had no idea what would come of it. And we know it's very popular here in Canada, as I mentioned, over a million people at least are playing it somewhere in Canada. And so I looked to the U.S. because North America is where it's the biggest for now. And from a blog called Pickleheads.com, they published some key pickleball stats for 2023. 
36.5 million is the number of pickleball players in the U.S. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the growth over the last three years is at 158.6%. And I don't know everything about growth rates, but that is incredibly high it is. For, for anything. anything. Uh, the largest age bracket now in the U.S., nearly 30% of that total of 36.5 million, are individuals 18 to 34. Mm-hmm. And number of places to play has grown to over 10,000 places wow. in the U.S. And finally, if uh, you wonder, and I know you've hinted at controversy, whenever money gets involved, yeah, controversy isn't far behind. Nope. Uh, here's an example. The pickleball paddle market and the latest numbers they had is from 2021. So imagine what it is now. But just for paddles alone in sales in the U.S., over $150 million. Wow. Yeah. So it's becoming big. And I I guess we keep coming back to, though, it's one of those sports you can start at any ability level and with very, very limited equipment. Well, and it makes sense to me, Dave, that pickleball would have exploded, um, particularly in the States, uh, I guess. But anyway, during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So it was easy to social distance and be outdoors and play pickleball. Uh, in the good weather and even be indoors and be still socially distant. So, you know, you're, you're getting, you're still getting fit. You're still keeping active. You're still getting some, some social uh, wellness in there, but you're being safe by being socially distanced. So little wonder pickleball took off during COVID. Yeah. There's a, there's a world pickleball federation. Oh, there is. It was founded in 2018. It has 37 member countries, Canada Uh being one of them. Yeah. On five different continents. And they're going to have their first uh, inaugural World Pickleball Games this May, uh, the second to the seventh at the Austin Pickle Ranch in Texas. So you can mark that down on your calendar if you're going to travel to Texas this summer. Um, and, you know, again, those small ideas that grow big and and thinking of Texas and cowboys. Did you know that cowboys in the Old West used to hang lanterns on their saddles at night? To help them find their way home. Huh. No, I didn't. That was a very early form of satellite navigation. Ah. Ah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, that was good. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so, Dave, you mentioned the um, World Pickleball Federation, and it's got 39 uh, 37 members. member countries. Yep. 37. Yep. Okay. 37. There is a second one. A second international governing body. Right. And it's the International Federation of Pickleball. And it actually started up first. And it currently has 78 member countries. Wow. Now, most of those are in Africa, a few in South America, and a few in different parts of Asia and Europe. And yeah, that's so that's where the controversy controversy comes in, is that most sports don't have two international governing bodies. Right. Right. And so there's uh there's a danger there really for pickleball internationally when you've got this competition going on. And it does seem to come down to the money when I was reading, doing a little bit of research into it. And I came across a sports illustrated article that, which to be fair, articles like this do sell magazines when they talk about controversy. But yeah, I mean, either one of these organizations, their goal is to 
not, well, they've got many goals among them to organize people, but it, who want to play pickleball, but it's also about getting pickleball recognized by the International Olympic Committee, because the goal would be to have it eventually be a recognized sport at the Olympics. Right. So one of their goals is to have it be a demonstration sport then at the 2028 Summer Olympics and then to be a standard medal competition for the 2032 Summer Olympics. Well, I won't mention specific sports, but there's some that are already recognized that pickleball would be a much more logical fit Mm -hmm. to have someone compete for a medal. And just hearing that, like the two prongs aren't going to help in that process, probably. So hopefully there's sort of a meeting of the minds. But uh, as Neil pointed out, if you're just going to try it, call your local community center, your older adults uh, community center, the the very places we talked about earlier in this season Mm -hmm. and see if they already offer it because chances are they do. Yeah. And then if you want to learn more, his advice, I think, is important. Uh, Do a little research and do your own screening and find out more about the individual offering um, the lessons. Yes. Uh, Because um, being a great at anything, but a great player doesn't necessarily make you a great coach. And there's training that needs to be done to be a coach and not have a negative impact on somebody trying to have fun and learn a, a new sport. And even in a professional world, and that's where you and I would have run into it as well because yeah. someone's a great, whatever doesn't make them a, a great person to teach you and mentor you. Uh, exactly. And then as far as equipment, again, great advice from Neil to not, you know, jump in and get the latest uh, yeah. and most expensive paddle and shoes yeah. and, and all the rest. And I don't know about you, Mary Ellen, but for me, when I was curling and now uh, attempting uh, to golf, uh, I don't tend to get flashy uh, no flashy things because then they think you actually can play and it's it's awfully disappointing when you play like i do if i had a you know a very expensive set of golf clubs because it Uh wouldn't be money well spent so uh if you're gonna look like that you better be ready but to just go in there and give it a try and i know that there are some places and even maybe your local library that may have equipment you can borrow and try it so oh that's a great tip outlay would be almost nothing however as Neil said, and as we'll say, make sure that you're wearing proper footwear because let's not go in there and twist an ankle or knee. No. And also eyewear. Uh, very easy to get into. And the, the little warning there is just do a little uh, homework before you jump right in and, and get uh, any uh, professional help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're going to do some investigating, then certainly Neil would recommend that you want to know if your pickleball instructor is certified by the International Pickleball Teaching Professional Association, mm-hmm. um, because that is currently the only organization that is certifying pickleball instructors, right? So that's you, you want to have a look at that. And we'll put that website up on our uh, on our website. Now, in addition to the organizational controversy, mm-hmm. there's also this little controversy around noise. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, And you and I talked a bit about this because these courts, especially if they only have a couple, they can be embedded into a very small space. And sometimes small spaces are surrounded by people living. Yeah. So that's that in itself is a problem. Plus, the plinking of a plastic ball against a hard paddle would be a little noisier than a soft tennis ball hitting the mesh racket. I I get that 100 percent. And yeah. uh, I know that sometimes people complain just to complain, but it, there may be some legitimate issues. I, I wouldn't prejudge, but here's just a little sample of what a game would sound like.
not only is the play noisier, yeah. there's that social aspect, which would draw me to it, but it also means that people are having fun. And when you're having fun, you might be a little louder or laughing and, and teasing each other, whatever it happens to be. And as funny as all, this is, it is still funny. These are some of the headlines that I was able to grab <laughs> from across North America. We'll start with uh, the LA Times. Pickleball noise is fueling neighborhood drama from coast to coast. <laughs> My goodness. It's a little uh, dramatic. From the Toronto Star, neighbor claims pickleball noise is torture, takes town and club to court. Wow. In our own national uh, news agency, the CBC News, the pickleball noise debate has landed in Ottawa. Oh, my goodness. So I, I don't know. I guess that makes it more serious. But I'll just leave <laughs> the noise part with this. It was uh, an opinion piece in the San Diego Union Tribune. Okay. Um, by Amanda Levy. The title is, Yes, Pickleball Can Be Loud, Solutions Exist, and the Best One is Also the Most Fun. So she does mention about some clubs are putting in sound baffles around. Okay. But she said, installing acoustic baffles around pickleball courts would certainly reduce the noise level. However, the best solution for neighbors put off uh, put off by pickleball noise is to pick up a paddle and play. <laughs> Someone else's noise into your own noise. Pickleballers are notoriously friendly and eager to teach others the game. So yeah, you can't beat them. Join, Join them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And Neil, Neil would, would say that as well. Well, you heard him say that in the, uh, in the interview, right? Like he's met some really great friends through pickleball and it's so welcoming and so social. And I, and I know locally, um, as I said, Neil was with corrections Canada. And, uh, so when he hears of anyone not being welcoming and accepting, in, in uh, a pickleball league locally, then, uh, you know, he doesn't hesitate to pull them aside and have a conversation. So yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, when you think about it too, Dave, if there's four pickleball courts that would fit inside one tennis court, right. And if you've got four doubles games going, that's eight times as many people. Yeah. as there would have been playing tennis in that same location. And really the tennis players are grunting and groaning, but they're probably not hooting and hollering like the pickleballers. Right. So. Yes. So there would be some noise, but there would be. There um, would be. And as much as we maybe have got some people excited to run out and, and um, dink a ball, um, there are other sports too, obviously that you might say, well, that sounds fun, but for whatever reason, that's not for me or there's no court near me, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you just don't want to get part of, be part of that controversy because uh, maybe your nerves can't take it. Um, there was an article in Forbes magazine this past February, mm -hmm. best sports for older adults, according to experts. And that definitely caught my eye. And the expert in this case is Dr. Rachel Tavell, who is a doctor of physical therapy. Okay. And in selecting a sport, she suggests that you consider uh, fall risks. Yes. Uh, avoid falls while enjoying physical activity is a good rule. So mm -hmm. choose your sporting pursuits accordingly. And she also notes that it's wise to take basic safety precautions, such as wearing appropriate footwear, choosing activities in public spaces or group settings or any place where potential help is nearby. And that is something that would not have occurred to me. No. And something in golf isn't always the case because you can get, especially on terrible weather days, you can be out there all alone, but uh, to just be nearby or have your phone or, or whatever. And then she talked about bone loss, which happens to both men and women. 
as they age. Uh, Women are especially vulnerable, according to the article, uh, to bone loss after menopause, which makes it even more important for women to participate in activities that help improve bone mineral density. And some of those bone bolstering exercises include um, forms of resistance, such as weights or bands. Yeah. Uh, balancing, uh, or sorry, balance strengthening to help prevent falls, which we talked mm-hmm. about last we week. We did last week, yeah. Uh, sports such as golf, tennis, dancing, yoga, hiking, cycling, walking, and jogging are great examples of activities for older adults to try. Uh, warnings about, say, like hockey, rugby, figure skating, where uh, injuries could happen or more likely to happen. Right. And then at the end of the article, the top four. Uh, in uh, from four down are exercise classes, uh, swimming, golf, and number one. I'm gonna guess pickleball. Pickleball. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Everything comes back to pickleball. Well, it does in this episode anyway. <laughs> but we, I mean, we started a couple of episodes ago talking about the importance of being physically active as an older adult, and and we hope that over the last three episodes, you've you found your place. You found something that really resonates for you, something you'd like to try, maybe something you're, you're already doing. So you can feel really good about that. Um, I mean, the key really is that you want to stay physically active as an older adult in any way, right. That allows you to enjoy the best quality of life possible well into your retirement years. And it doesn't have to be a huge commitment or a huge expense. And I'll come back to the example you shared of a tooth, two minute toothbrushing routine. Yes. That through the the um the squats that you do during that time yeah um, had a great impact on your balance and it was something you were doing anyway you you had to be in yeah. that location so mm-hmm. you know it, it can be something very very simple that just gets you on your way yes so yeah hopefully that uh, maybe we've inspired not only others but ourselves so that's yeah, that's always exactly. positive um let's talk about what might happen in our next episode yes Coming up next time on the Retirement Years Podcast, we talk about mental health in older adults. Now, there are some troubling numbers regarding mental health as we age, but we will discuss what to look for and where you can find help and support for yourself or for others. So a very important episode next time. And until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Mary Ellen. Stay well. For additional content, visit our website or follow us on Twitter at Retirement Years and on Instagram and Facebook at the Retirement Years Podcast. Our email address is the Retirement Years Podcast at gmail.com.